This is the Dice Tower Network, adding games to your wish list since 2005. The home of smart people, insightful board gaming commentary, and Luke Hector. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. The Broken Meeple, Season 2, Episode 8, Aircon. These episodes are just being churned out lately, aren't they? Well, this one's a special one because I have just come back from the great Aircon, which took place last weekend up in Harrogate. Here's the experiences, here's the games I played, here's just generally my thoughts on what was a fantastic convention. Hi everyone, thanks for listening, and yes, today is about Aircon, the convention I went to last weekend up in Harrogate at the Harrogate International Centre in Yorkshire. This took place on Friday the 10th of March to Sunday the 12th of March. It was a bit of a long four and a half hour drive, but it was definitely worth the travel time to get there. Aircon is a new gaming festival that is run by Mark Cook and his gang. It once took place in Bradford, which was the last one I went to back in October, but now it takes place in the Harrogate Convention Centre in, well, Harrogate, obviously. The convention has grown over the years to a pretty decent size now and invites various exhibitors and panelists and even some retailers, particularly the traveling man, to sell their wares, advertise their games, etc. It's not quite, it's not as big as the UK Games Expo. What this kind of convention is, is one of those, I like to call it the Gathering of Friends style conventions where basically you turn up and play games. The UK Games Expo has that. You can play games with each other. But its primary function is to be almost a sort of mini trade fair. You know, a lot of the space is dedicated to exhibitors and the, you know, various stalls that are selling their wares, etc. Whereas with the case of Aircon and some of these other ones, the primary reason to be there is to meet people and play games. But as Aircon grows over time, naturally some exhibitors are filling the void to come in and show off their stalls as well. And next year, they say it's going to be even bigger by having some of the other bigger halls. Let's just hope it doesn't get too big for its britches, but certainly at the moment, the size is pretty good. There's never a problem trying to find a table to game, even on the biggest or busy days. And you can get to all the exhibitors without having to, you know, trample over other people. And generally, people kind of... It's almost like, as some came in, some left. It never felt like it was so cramped that you couldn't get anywhere. People would come in, people would go out. You were close to the city of Harrogate, which, to be fair, is actually a very pretty city. I've got to give it that. The architecture is really nice. It's got some great park areas. And if you want to eat out, well, you're kind of strapped for choice on terms of restaurants and various drinking establishments. Uh, I had to be sensible, though, so I couldn't exactly go out for a decent pint. Not that I believe the North has ever heard of a cider in its life. But certainly it was just good to stay at the convention from morning till light and just take a little stroll back to the hotel for as much sleep as I could get. Being next to the city centre does mean you have to put up with a few, uh, shall we say, rowdy students. But, oh well, that's normal for any city. But generally, it's a great location, the centre is very good, the staff there are very accommodating, and to be honest, I can't really think of anything to nitpick. Everything seemed to run pretty smoothly, Uh, maybe some of the events just needed a little bit more 
you know, exposure. But other than that, I think everything kind of went smooth. You know, there were tables, there were chairs, there was no rowdiness from people, there was no cases that I knew of of mistaken or lost tickets. Just generally, an all-around well-run convention. Cannot dispute that at all. So, congrats to Mark Cook and his gang for being able to run this so well. Now I rocked up eager to see a lot of the people that I know on Facebook and Twitter who are either content creators, followers, or just friends of mine in general. And I had to get some practice in with my new DSLR camera, the one that I'm planning to use for my video, and from scrolling through the photos, I clearly need to learn more about how to use a camera. I, I thought it was all going well, but I made the mistake of not checking my photos each night. I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to go mad with it, see what happens, and then scroll through them when I get home. Well, for some bizarre reason, everything I took outside is so white, you'd think I'd just passed into the gates of heaven. And anything inside, apart from the occasional picture when I was sitting next to the window, seems really, really dark, even though there was perfect light when I was in that area. So clearly, I need to do something rather radical with my settings on that camera so that I don't have problems when it comes to video. I really don't understand what happened. I mean, the ISO was 400, I think, which I know is a low amount, but... As I looked through the screen to take a shot, everything looked good likewise from my perspective. Unfortunately, the light perspective from a viewfinder compared to what's on an LCD screen is a lot different. So maybe I should have actually tried to use that a bit more. Oh well, you live and learn. It's all about getting experience with these cameras and I'm certainly not a photographer by nature. Maybe next time I'll improve. Oh well, StabCon's coming up. I might be able to do something there. But at least it was fun to give it a little tinker around and thankfully I didn't lose it. Now obviously one of the main reasons you go to a convention is to play games. Not just ones that you already know, but some new ones as well. So let's talk about some new games that I've played. Not necessarily newly released, but just new games that I have not been able to try before. There was certainly a good list of them. First up, the ever-popular Terraforming Mars. Yes, I finally got a chance to play this one. This one has had so much hype since it was announced for Essen and Gen Con and all that. You know, Stronghold Games have been just making a killing with this, and as soon as they reprint copies, woo, they're all gone again, and you can never find one anywhere, so it just gets sold for extortionate amounts. More on that in a future podcast. But the idea is that this one involves you going to Mars and colonizing it. You draft from this huge pile of cards that give all sorts of things like, you know, building satellites or eco gardens or, send, or, or filtering off comets and asteroids or building nuclear power stations, whatever. You can do all sorts of different things as this big corporation and you're effectively trying to be, as I say, I would say the richest at the end. It's hard to describe. You're trying to like contribute the most to colonizing the planet. But yeah, it technically devolves around to being the riches or most powerful by the end. And each round you will draft a set of cards and then you will use your resources to play cards and to gain victory points by putting forests on the planet, putting oceans down, building cities, or just generally utilizing the cards in such a way that it grants you victory points. It's a Euro through and through and for the most part actually I would say the theme is pretty strong. The stuff on the cards actually makes sense in order to what they are and the whole idea of colonization and raising the oxygen and the temperature is all done pretty well thematically, so it's already got a plus point for me there. And on the whole, I did enjoy the game, but I do have some issues with it. Firstly, we played it with five players. 
Now, I have heard rumours that playing this game with five players is a mistake. I can see why. Well, for two reasons. Firstly, the all-important reason, it's just far too long. This took over three hours to play, and that is too long for me for this game, for certain other reasons. But certainly three hours plus for five players, with a fair bit of downtime, I wanted the game to be a bit shorter than that. However, the other reason that I... I'm not a fan of doing it with five players is related to the other issue I have with the game and that is the luck of the draw. Now you can either deal out the cards straight off without any drafting whatsoever or you can draft them. If you just deal them out you turn this game into one big luck fest. If you draft the cards the luck mitigation is bigger but there is still an element of luck in those cards. Because if you are able to, from the draft, whether it's because you see them first or because your opponent doesn't realise they're so good for you or decides to choose something else, if you end up with the right cards for what you're going for, you're going to have a significant advantage over somebody else. I know one player in that group was gaining so much steel and various other resources that basically allowed him to buy cards stupidly cheap when his corp was also somebody who liked steel, so it complemented him really well but nobody had a chance to take the cards off him because they were the first ones he saw in the draft. Whereas I think I was playing somebody who gets a discount on power cards, and what do they do? They just give you more power. And that was about it. There was very few cards I saw that actually gave me victory points. They were generally either really expensive or weren't very efficient for what they did. And there wasn't really a lot I could do about it because they were just ones that I saw in the draft. So for a three-hour game, I don't want it to have quite as much luck as that and that's not to say it's complete luck there's an amount of skill and tactics in using those cards as what you're given you don't always get what you want and you've got to make the best use of what there is but if you are lucky enough to get exactly what complements your chosen strategy or your current setup then you're going to have an advantage and if the game's going to be like that i'd rather it took no more than 90 minutes two hours absolute tops but 90 minutes so i'll happily play this one again but I think I'm going to have to cap it at three players, I think. I, I don't want to, honestly, don't feel like trying it with four. I will never play it again with five. And I'd like to try it again at three and see whether that just improves things. Turning away to something positive, and that is a game that I recently purchased the entire set of, cheap on the second market, but I wanted to get taught this game at Aircon and thankfully a friend of Paul Grogan's was able to teach me the game and very well indeed. I learned quite a bit from him and it was a very close finish, like literally down to the wire. And that was Ashes Rise of the Phoenix Born. This has been out for a fair while, it's no surprise to a few others that this one exists. But released by Plaid Hat, this is effectively what I would like to call almost like a sort of pseudo Magic the Gathering but with dice and simpler rules, and certainly less cards. And far better artwork in that case. Okay, whatever, the similarities are there in some respects, more in the gameplay. But this was a big, you know, this was a good one to end the convention on. You essentially, like in Magic, you know, you've got your main summoner or caster or whatever you want to call them, you know, your your phoenix born as it's called, basically your character, your life points. And you will have a deck of cards, and the deck is tailored to a particular type of strategy. So you've got one Phoenix Born that constantly summons, you know, minions. He'll have like, you know, jaguars and butterfly spirits and mist spirits and all this sort of stuff. So they have like a big army on the board. You'll then get another Phoenix Born that basically just 
sends humongous like tank style uh, minions at themselves uh, at, the, at the opponents. You'll get another one that doesn't really have much in the way of minions, but will certainly be able to you know mill through your opponent's deck really quick. There's quite a few of them in the base set, and they all play very very differently. Now I've got some additional ones from the second market, and it's almost a bit like an LCG. An LCG will release a new expansion pack like every month. Well, Plaid Hat are being a bit more sensible about this and they release a new faction every now and again, but not like once every month. They take their time. But there's still a fair amount of content out there. There's several promos, there's four main expansions, and there was already, I think, six, maybe eight, I got a feeling it was six, basic Phoenix Spawns in the box. So you're talking between 10 and 12, you know, easily that you can get these days. And that is more than enough. And that, and you don't even have to worry about deck construction. I felt that the decks that we were playing with were pretty balanced, and it's just a lot easier to say, you know what, I'm going to play this Phoenix Born, I'll take their pre-constructed deck, run with it, it'll have good fun because it's very tactical, you have to react to what you throw on the dice, you have to react to your opponent. It's a really cool game. I need to give it a few more plays to see how it sticks, but for now, I'm excited to get this one back to the table again and wipe the floor with the fellow friends at Dice Portsmouth, who I intend to be playing this game with. Okay, maybe wipe the floor is not going to happen. I'm, I suspect they're going to beat the living snot out of me for a while, but certainly I can't wait to rise to the challenge. That was Ash's Rise of the Phoenix Born. Now we're going to go on to a bit of a sort of mini rant. Yes, granted, I might not have played this at the best player count, but we had to fill up like five minutes filler-wise in one evening, and we just grabbed something off the library, a little card game, and I heard a lot of people go on about this at Essence, so I thought it was worth a try, and that was Fuji Flush from Freedom and Freeze. What are people raving about with this game? Okay, maybe we needed more players. I think we only played with three, and obviously that was a mistake. But even with more players, what is so good about this game? It was boring. It was random as all get out. You basically just play a card and hope that it wins. You have no idea what your opponents have in their hand. You could play, you're basically like trying to play high cards and effectively it's a trick taking game. You know, you're winning tricks. But, you know, and trying to get your, like the hand, sorry, you're trying to empty your hand of cards. So it's a bit trick taking. It's a bit of other card games. But it's so boring. You basically just play your numbers and hope they work. Because, you know, you might play your 14. You've got no idea if your opponent's sitting there with a 15 or up to 15 up to 20. You have no idea what's in their hand. You just play and hope for the best. It's completely random, which fair enough, you know, for a 5-10 minute filler card game is not necessarily a bad thing. But you just feel like you've got no control. It's just a pack of cards with numbers on them. That you just play and see what happens. This was what some people were raving about at Essen? Seriously? Yeah, I'm just going to go over here with Love Letter and probably have more of a great time. So, I've got not much more to say on this one. This was boring. I have no intention to play this again. Fuji Flush. Complete. Flush it down the toilet for all I care. It's a rubbish game. Now we'll go back to the middle of the road, and that was to play a Stefan Feld game. <gasps> no! Luke's played a Stefan Feld game. Oh god, rant incoming. 
Not exactly on this occasion, actually. Now, I've played most of the Steffenfeld games that I'm aware of. I think there's maybe like one more, two max that I haven't played. But personally, I think I've played the majority of the well-known ones. And most of them I tend not to like. But that's just me. I like thematic games and Steffenfeld does not give one monkeys about theme. So, in the end of the day, most of his games aren't going to appeal to me. But I like Amerigo. The Cube Tower is good fun, so I enjoy that one and have it in my collection, actually. But there's one very famous game by Stefan Feld that I'd never managed to try. I didn't know many people that owned it, and certainly I wasn't exactly seeking it out. But a friend of mine there had Trajan to try out, and this is the one that I had not tried and was recommended by other players. It uses the Mancala mechanic, similar to what Five Tribes does, where you pick up these little coloured pillars on this... Well, it looks like a rondelle, but basically all the action spaces have got these little coloured pillars on them, and you pick up what's in one particular spot, and for each spot that you pass over, you drop one pillar in each spot, and where you end up, you do the action. And if you're able to get certain colour combinations in those actions, you get to trigger other things. Yeah, you can tell this one has theme, right? Oh yeah, I, I think you're supposed to be in Roman times, and you're doing shipping, and exploring, and... Rising to a senate and building stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You really don't have much of a theme in this game. This is basically six mini games with a Mancala mechanic wrapped around them. And that's pretty much what it is. Each of these little six mini games, as I'll call them, you essentially just try to get victory points. And you'll get victory points in different ways, which will be like playing poker hands of cards or getting sets of buildings or moving your guy across this map. It is basically as bone dry as you can get. There is not one little drip of theme in this game. I'm sorry. You know, and and to be fair, I actually thought the game was alright. Granted, it's not the best game in the world, and I'm not sure how I'm exactly going to be screaming to get it played again, but I like the Mancala mechanic, and I had fun doing it, you know, trying to decide how I'm going to rearrange all these pillars and how to get it set up in the most efficient way. I enjoy Five Tribes, that's why it's in my collection, and it works on a similar mechanic. Granted, I would much rather play Five Tribes than Trajan, but both of them aren't particularly thematic games, although I would argue that Five Tribes at least has a better setting than this one does, and it is just basically the Mancala mechanic that made me enjoy it. But yeah, this one just... I don't care. I don't know how you could... This is like getting blood from a stone if you think that you've got theme from this game. There just isn't. This is pure minigame, victory point churning, point salad, the end. But... Like I say, man-color mechanics are fun. I had a good time playing it, even though a few rules were wrong from the person teaching us it. Bless him, but, you know, I know the feeling when it's late at night and you try and teach a game. We still had a bit of fun with this. I'm glad I tried it. I'm not desperately going to seek it out, but, you know, if someone brings it to the table, I'm not going to be opposed to playing it, unlike some of Feld's other lesser, less enjoyable titles in the Year of the Dragon, honestly. Next up, some highlights from what went on at Aircon that I certainly find memorable. I just mentioned a bunch of games that I played that were new to me, but I got to play a lot of other games by teaching them to friends that I know, and they were some ones that I adore, like Founding Fathers, Seasons, Valley of the Kings, Kanagawa even. You know, I had a lot of fun teaching some of those games, but I think the highlight 
had to be that I got to play two games of Viticulture with Tuscany. My second favourite game of all time, and I got to play this twice at one convention. Yeah, I know some of you are saying, oh yeah, well I played this ten times at a convention. Yeah, well, you know, real world, <laughs> you want to try and play a variety. Playing this, twi- playing anything twice at a convention that's a big game like that is actually quite different for me. The first game was with a mix of friends, but the second game was due to a competition that there was to get some airtime on one of the Geekerson tables. Now, I have to admit, I probably was a little bit cheeky entering it in the first place, because let's face it, I already own a Geekerson table. But, on this case, I was able to play on one that was made from the sort of Eye of Sauron, almost like leather-like canvas, and sit in one of the different chairs. And to be honest, even though I have got a Geekerson table, that doesn't make it any less enjoyable to play on them. And on this occasion, we got to show off that Viticulture Tuscany works very nicely and fits very well with a four-player setup on a medium-sized Gigason table. And on this occasion, I was able to also invite all three members of the Polyhedron Collider in order to play this. Now, Andy has already played this game and enjoys it, but I had to teach this to Steve and John. And as far as I can tell, they both enjoyed it, even though they, at first, kind of struggled to grasp exactly the best way to play and what to do, but then Viticulture is not a light game, so I normally expect that your first game is a learning curve, and then in the second and onwards, you start to be able to do what's necessary. And granted, I was teaching them the best way to play the game, which is to have the Tuscany board, mamas and papas, structures, you know, some of those essentials that I call them for viticulture. I didn't throw things like the objectives and no cheese board or olive oil board or any of the uh, special meeples or anything, but I always, as a bare minimum, want the mamas and papas, the Tuscany board and the orange structures, and of course, all the cards for the visitors. So you replace the old ones, you put in the uh, like replacement ones from the Tuscany set, you use the advanced ones from the Tuscany set, and I've even got that little mini expansion that Uri Rosenberg did. There's some really cool visitor cards in there, like stealing grapes and stuff. It's really cool. But certainly I've got some very big piles of visitor cards now. It was a great fun game, really enjoyed it. A lot of people visited the table, because obviously it's a bit of a spectacle to see this Geekazon table with four content creators playing a giant game of viticulture on it. And it was a blast. I really enjoyed that game. It feels slightly bad for kind of wiping the floor with everyone, but... Nah, I don't really. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I've played the game many times before, so it's a bit of an advantage. You know, I, I was actually quite impressed that Steve and John picked it up. I, I felt they picked it up pretty quick. I mean, John was literally only a few points behind me at the end. You know, literally sort of blew it out of the water close to the end where fulfilling wine orders was just coming in droves and suddenly it's like, oh, cool, I got some competition. I better get going. Me with my weird strategy of using a tap room and an inn as my two orange structures and having a windmill in tasting room and basically getting a lot of drip feed victory points from what must have been essentially running a timeshare in wine tasting fiasco, I don't know, because I didn't actually make any wine orders. I just basically invited visitors to come to my area and fed them wine from a tap while they stayed in the inn. Yeah, that's pretty much the deal. Kind of weird, but at least I was feeding them decent wines and not just house wines. I'm getting into too much detail, but either way, really enjoyable game, and that is definitely one of the big highlights.
Another highlight involved the panel that several of us did. The Cult of the New, Two Can Play That Game, Who Dares Rolls, Gaming Rules, myself, and Polyhedron Collider. We had a lot of fun on this panel doing Room 504, which is basically the parody of Room 101 that you might have seen on Dave, where celebrities come on and drop things that they don't like into Room 101 based on vote. Now, we're not saying we're celebrities and that, that's just the word for the... That's what they are on TV. Here, it's just a bunch of random people who like talking about games. And the idea is, is we had to put something that was gaming-related into Room 504. Now, a lot of the other people I was with put stuff in there which, granted, deserves wholeheartedly to be put in there, but wasn't really going to generate much of a discussion, from my opinion. You know, one of them was bad rule books. Granted, I want to see every bad rulebook shoved into Room 504. It's annoying having to deal with bad rulebooks. But who's going to argue that that's a good thing? Apart from maybe Paul Grogan, but that's, you know, that's about it, really. So I wanted something that was a bit more divisive, something that was going to be tricky for me to get into Room 504, even though I really want this in there. And I chose the CCG model. So Star Wars Destiny using the CCG model, the Magic the Gathering thing, the whole concept of having to spend pretty much your life savings on all these booster packs that most of the time results in utter depression as you don't get the cards you want, power creep, overly competitive people at tournaments, you know, the ultra rares dominating the meta, stuff like that, you know, just a lot of things I don't like about CCGs. I think LCGs have come and just completely dominated a CCG, and even then, LCGs have some room for improvement, you know, maybe just a little less frequent than they are with Fantasy Flight, and there is room for another type of collectible-ish game format to come out. But, yeah, CCGs are dated. They were great in the 90s, but I really don't want them now. But it was great fun to discuss this with the rest of the panel, and I almost got it into Room 504. I was so close. It came down to a mixed vote, like almost like half and half. And uh, it just got let down a little bit at the end, so I couldn't get it in there. But it was good to at least try and debate that one in there and not just go for something that was blatantly obvious. I'm sure I could have come up with a list of 10 things to shove in there, but there's only so much time. Overall, though, the panel was a great laugh, and I really enjoyed doing it. We even had a much bigger audience than we did last time at Aircon. From something like six people to a whole 20. Yeah, Friday evening probably wasn't the best time to have that panel, guys, I'm just saying. And, well, British content creators, we don't exactly get a huge audience for this sort of thing. It's a shame, really, because I like audience participation. I'd like to have a bigger audience for these panels so that we can get you guys involved with these things. You know, sending questions, you know, giving us questions and, well, not heckling, but, you know, lending your opinions and giving us something to work off. You know, if we do more of these panels in the future, which I'm sure we will, and I certainly will sign up for as many as I can get because I really enjoy doing them, It'd be great to have more of you guys there in the audience and just sort of giving us something to work off and, you know, lending your suggestions as well. We'd love to hear them. And it was cool how some of the debates going back and forth with the people that were watching us, you know, managed to create some more discussion in our group. But I don't know who did the actual recording of it. I know it was done on camera. It might have been Two Can Play That Game that did it. I can't remember. But it was filmed. It may have been recorded voice-wise as well, so be on the lookout. I'm sure Aircon Mark Cook will make a big deal about putting the uh, podcast out or the video out, and when it does, I'll put a link on my blog for the same thing because I'd like to watch it again because I thought it was just quite funny. So, you know, that was the Aircon Room 504 panel, another great highlight.
But of course, the main highlight of going to any gaming convention is just to meet all of you, meet all the panellists that I know, meet everybody I know from Facebook and Twitter, meet old friends who you don't get to see very often. Conventions are the best way to do that, particularly these Gathering of Friends style conventions, because at the end of the day, you've met up, and, you know, we panellists, for example, will do the old bit of uh, photo taking and the old bit of video interviewing. Well, not me, but, you know, others certainly do. You know, I'll work on that in the future. But we we do get to see each other and play games, and we did play a lot of games together. I mean, it's been a long time since I'd seen, you know, Jay from Breacher 18. I don't get to see Mike from Who Dares Rolls that often, despite the fact he only lives down the road, technically. And there's various other people, like, you know, Toucan play that game and pull from gaming rules you know there's a lot of people i know and the polyhedron collider as well i got to play quite a few games with them there's a lot of people that it's just difficult to meet them outside of a convention and so it's always great fun it's so exciting to actually come to a convention just so you can say hi to everyone if nothing else even if you can't play a game with them it's just like hey how's it going you know and hopefully you do get to sit down for some games but everybody's friendly, nobody's out to get you, nobody's out to point the finger or shout about your favourite game or anything. Well, unless you're on a panel, but that's a different story. And it's just so much fun. So, I mean, thanks for everybody who did say hi, thanks for everybody who taught me games during that convention, you know, Terraforming Mars and Ashes Rise of the Phoenix Born. Thank you, people who said hi from the exhibitors, you're all great people, it was fun to try out some new play-tested games. And just generally thank you everybody. It's a great hobby to be in and I can't get enough of just going to conventions, playing some games and just having a good social fun time. This is one of the reasons I got into board gaming in the first place because I wanted to meet new people and socialize more. It's not that I was a cave troll or anything in the past but I was running out of things where I could say you know what I just want to meet up with a like-minded group of people and just enjoy myself and it was getting harder and harder to do that a few years back and then as soon as board gaming suddenly got thrown into my life it's like okay yes now this is where I'm going to go and this is how it's going to work granted it's a bit of a nightmare trying to explain it to people who aren't in the board gaming hobby but whatever it's it's one of those things you know we we are a big hobby we are growing and growing but we all do seem to be still kind of in the background to a lot of from a lot of people's perspective doesn't bother me though, I get to see all you cool guys at the convention if nothing else, so you know, all we can do is just keep making the hobby better and bigger than it was before, and if nothing else, just enjoy ourselves along the way. So I'm going to sign off now, check out the channel, there will be some more reviews coming up, you've already had the colonists up the other day, you're going to, any day now you're going to see the Mansions of Madness Beyond the Threshold review, and I know I have to do a review of Conan and also of the uh, Arkham Horror LCG Dunwich expansion. After that, I should be caught up on all the past reviews that I've been having on my backlog list for God knows how long. And that is one good thing about the first quarter of the year. Because it's relatively dry for board games, it does give you a chance to actually catch up on material. But, like I say, I'll get on with everything now, sort out some more reviews, and hopefully get on with this video lark. I've had all the equipment in, I've had some new light panels turn up, you know, some much bigger ones than my previous venture. So we'll see how they go with the setup. I might need to get my uh, you know, video tech friend over and see how they work. But it's coming, okay? It's coming. I promised you a top 100 list on video. Obviously, I need to get on video long before that. So it's going to happen. Just bear with me. So time to head off. Enjoy the rest of your evening. And remember, it's only a game. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening. If you want to find out more about the Broken Meeple, there are various sources for you to choose from. You can check out the written review blog at brokenmeeple.blogspot.co.uk. You can find me on Facebook at The Broken Meeple. You can find me also on Twitter at The Broken Meeple. If you live anywhere near Portsmouth, Hampshire, you can come to one of our board gaming clubs. Search for Portsmouth on board on meetup.com or Facebook and check out our pages. Also, check out my Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash thebrokenmeeple and pledge anything you can to help me get back into video and improve this experience for you. Thanks for listening, take care, enjoy playing games, and from me and everyone else at the Dice Tower, have fun gaming. You're listening to the Dice Tower Network. If you like this show, you might like the Game Pit or the Happy Mitten Podcast. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com.